Podcast. I'm Jade Mesko. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Jake Pines. So, uh, Clayton, I wanted to let you know that uh, I submitted a ticket to your backlog to record this podcast, but I never heard back. Well, if you would have attended the prioritization meeting on the third Tuesday of the month, <laughs> which may or may not have passed, I'm not sure what week of the month it is. Mm. You would have known that uh, it has been assigned to a BA, and they are currently tasking it for release in the next sprint, which may or may not uh, get released to production in whatever two weeks the sprint length is. I'm not even sure. I'm just a BA. <laughs> and, yeah, so it's, uh, it's getting done. Awesome. <laughs> so, so what we want to talk about is ticket-driven agile. We've been running into this a lot in some of the larger organizations that we've been working with. Where, uh, <laughs> if you have Jira, you may be suffering from this. Yes, or, if you or have Rally, Rally or you may be one. our version one. So, what what's the problem with with this ticket driven agile that we're seeing? Um, I think a big part is that it takes the it takes the hey let's let's talk to someone and. Figure, come up with some solution for solving some problem that I have, uh, or we need something. Let's talk about it. Really, like there's no interaction, there's no conversation. It's processes so, so, and tools. So if we went back to this little thing <laughs> called an agile manifesto that had like a, maybe two or three, maybe four tops uh, things we could look at, and maybe if the first one was individuals and interactions over say processes and tools, um, man, there's a whole lot of interaction that doesn't happen between actual people when Dude, you I saw the log on that ticket there was tons of interaction there was in, like logging and services interacting it was so, it was really cool so one thing i found is it's very easy when communication happens via a tool to not see the human being on the other side of the tool both ways so the person submitting the ticket doesn't see the human being on the other side who might have a bunch of other stuff that is actually higher priority and is under stress or maybe on vacation whatever they don't see that but at the same time the person on the other end isn't able to feel the pain or have empathy for whatever the ticket is being supported to them Right, And then it escalates the frustration on both sides to the point where when our first interaction actually occurs outside of the tool, it's kind of a fuck you, why aren't you doing what I want? And a, screw you, why are you demanding stuff of me? And like tension is now at an all-time high before anything's ever even happened, right? There's all sorts of assumptions that are made, all sorts of you know guesses, and there's no human empathy, right? And, and I think that it just escalates more and more to the point where that, that becomes the default culture, where it's just like, don't talk to my team, like, just submit a ticket. And it also becomes the, like, don't bother talking to their team because they're just going to tell you to submit a ticket. And, and it just, like, completely dehumanizes work in a lot of ways, right? And, and I, I think that's a dangerous place to be in. Yeah, I think, I think to the honey-do list. So I think I've got this list of stuff that I haven't done, and it's been on the list forever. And it used to be where it's like, hey, you need to do this. It's like, uh, add it to the list, right? That's submit a ticket. It's like, give me a ticket in my, my honey-do list queue. But now when it's more of a like, hey, will you help me solve this problem? It's like, mm, yeah, okay. Or we can at least talk about it. Well, I don't want to do that because X, Y, Z, or I can't do that right now. But when it's just submit a ticket, it just goes to the, the list, and it never gets looked at. You know, It's like the... That's why we made the joke about the prioritization meeting. Like the stuff just goes in the list, and then if you're around, 
you might get prioritized, like you were saying, Derek, just, you know, just to the level where you might get the work done this week. But the second that you don't show up to the third Tuesday of the month prioritization rally, then you get bumped down the list and you get forgotten about. So you forget yeah. to bring your lobbyist. Yeah, well, I think right. I think a lot it's of like it. Jury duty. I, I think a lot of it too is uh, we don't know. Um, I, I, I go back to the game that I, I see people do a lot, and they'll do it a lot with kids. Where it's um, I want you to write down the instructions on a piece of paper how to make a paper airplane, and then I want you to hand those instructions to your classmate, and I want them to build the plane without asking any questions from you, only following your instructions, and this always fails spectacularly. But we think it's going to be totally different because we entered it, the digital rules into the digital tool and handed them across, right? So I think a lot of times a ticket comes across or a, a work request or whatever, and it's like, this person is an idiot. They don't even know it. Like, and it's like I'm reading some instructions that I'm probably completely misinterpreting and don't have nearly any of the facts on, and I'm making all sorts of decisions and judgments based on that, right? And I, I think that is dangerous too. So how do, how do companies get there? How do they get to How that? How do they point? end up in this position? So I think some of it is firefighting culture, right? So what, what happens is uh, everybody just comes and attacks me with stuff, right? And it's really hard because if I do the, the last person that screamed at me, I do their stuff, then the person that came to me first gets pissed off because their stuff then get done. And now I'm in this dilemma, and I don't know how to solve this dilemma. Everybody's mad at me all the time. And then along comes a magic tool. And I can learn to say no. And the way I can say no is, no, I can't do that. I'm busy. Go put it in the tool, and we have an ability to do this. And we talk about this in Scrum all the time, right? Like, the, the sprint is sacred. It's a commitment. Don't, don't interrupt the commitment. And I think people are well-intentioned when they start down this road. And they say, like, this is a way to shield the team from people coming and bugging them to do stuff and actually let them take a whole sprint to get something done before. But it quickly turns into, I don't want to have a conversation with you. Just go put the stuff in the bucket. And now I'm teaching you to put the stuff in the bucket. And then the firefighting culture still reemerges because we know that when we put something in the bucket, it's going to take four sprints to get it done. But this is really important. So what we do is we learn these insidious little ways to go to your manager or go to another team or do something to basically force you to deal with the issue that's in your bucket that is longer than what I'm willing to deal with, which totally submarines the whole reason why you were telling people to go put things in the bucket. So now you're pissing, you're right back to the firefighting culture, yet you still piss everybody off because you're forcing them to go put stuff in a bucket. And I think one of the other things that contributes to it is siloed work or like yeah. siloed styles of doing things. So rather than saying, hey, there's this thing, um, rather than saying, oh, well, can you do that? Like, I know you want me to do it. I don't have the bandwidth to do it. I can't do it right now. Is there someone else I can do it? It's put it in the queue because yeah. I want to be the only one that can still do it. Or maybe I don't even think in those terms, but I, I know I am the only one, and there's no possible way anyone else could do it. So it has to be me. Yeah, I, I would say the, the, the ways that I see this really creep up is in organizations who don't know how to thin slice their work, meaning that yeah. they're, they're taking in really big increments of work that take almost entire sprint, means they have almost no ability to deal with anything else coming in. And then teams that are not cross-functional and are highly siloed, where only one team in the whole organization can do a certain type of work, when, when I have a problem with my product but I'm dependent on your DBA for it, like, I'm blocked, so I'm really stressed out, and I want to get you to do the work for me, and I'm not allowed to do it. Like, now you create queuing for whatever team has the most, the lowest, whatever team has the lowest throughput and the most requests 
or the 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 longest cycle time is the team that starts to get backed up and starts to have the behavior of we'll go create a ticket for it, right? Like I don't I can't deal with this. My throughput's not, and I, I'm I'm so slow at what I'm doing. Instead of saying like, hey, could I teach you how to do it so that next time you don't have to wait for me, right? Like that doesn't exist in most organizations. Or the team that has that doesn't want to let go of those magic keys and teach somebody else. How well, to I think the, the convenient thing is that when you have the like a you know say non agile or command and control style, especially with like the developers, right? Like the developers get the work from the project manager that tells them what to do. I think the ticket stuff just fits in so nicely with that, right? Like a right. ticket can come in, and then you have this nice little packaged task item that you can just give to people, yeah. and there's no conversation. I think if you if it were um, if it started out as a conversation, then it would stay a conversation longer. The second it goes into the tool, it's this like trackable task, you know. Uh, and I think that's how they get treated. It's like do the task, and the person doing the work, especially if it's just you know was command and control, and now they're quote unquote doing agile. That person is just they're just being told what to do, and they don't even think about it. Like they might say like this seems kind of dumb. I don't know why I'm doing this. I did this four times last week. We probably shouldn't do it again. But meh, whatever. It's a ticket in my queue. I got to do it right. So imagine we've started with great intentions, right? We really cared about agility, and uh, somehow it's devolved into this ticket-driven agile inside the organization. Uh, how do you change it? How do you escape that? If, if you're an organization at some sort of scale... Throw the tool away immediately. Stop relying on the tool. I mean, that's, that's the easiest way to force you to deal with those issues. And usually what people say is, well, there's no way can, we can scale if we don't have that. And it's like, if you have more demand coming in you than your throughput can handle, that's the real problem, not the tool, right? So, like, if you say, like, well, we can't just put it down in a, in a quick little spreadsheet or something that's, like, real basic, a piece of paper or something, right? The minute that you have more stuff to do than fits on the back of your napkin to-do list, that's probably a pretty reasonable smell, that like you've got other problems other than the tool, right? That, that you've got a team that can't work fast enough for the demand that's being created by them. What can you start to do to fix that problem? Yeah, I think of it, it's like when, um, if someone wants to start eating healthy, and the easiest thing is if you just say, you only eat things that you know are whole foods that came out of the ground looking like that or are not processed, right? So it's like, if I want a pizza, and I had to make that from things that were Whole Foods. That's a lot of effing work. Like, what if I go to Whole Foods? <laughs> okay, if I go to Whole Foods, <laughs> no. But so you know, so it's like if I want that stuff and I had to make it all myself, like that would really suck. I would think like uh, maybe there's some other way I could get this craving for what I have. So if I had a, every time I told someone submit a ticket, I actually had to write a card and put it on a board and like look at it all the time. I would be like, crap, is there some other way we could not put this stuff on the board? Which I think the ideas of maybe someone else could do this work. Or, I don't know, is there someone we can automate this? Or more than one person looking at it at the same time, like, oh, hey, I did that last week. Like, you know, I have a script for it that I have never told anyone about because right. I don't talk to anyone ever. Well, the other thing is that it forces you to deal with the truths that are there that you want to lie about. Right? So, so if we've got a product that's a really shitty and it, a whole bunch of defects are getting submitted all the time and that's what people are coming to us with and we're saying, like, just, just, just throw it in the yeah. ticket. Just throw it in the ticket, right? Like, and we don't have to experience any of that pain. Even if the pain is simply having to write it down uh-huh. and, and put it on a board or do something, right? We can tell the, ourselves a lie of, well, our product's really not that bad. Like, it doesn't really have that many problems because we're basically we're just kind of throwing everything in the corner and nobody goes in that closet where everything's being thrown except for one person who's the person that opens a closet and takes stuff out and throws it at the developers to do. Where if you start to expose that, you start to go like, I don't like living in this filth. Like, this filth sucks. Like, why are we adding new features? Why don't we clean some of this filth up? 
right? It, it starts to expose some of that. So if uh, I know we've covered this in other podcasts, but what, what does the ideal look like? If, if we want to get away from this, we're moving towards something that is uh, more about agility and less about like agile tools. Uh, what, is, what does that look and feel like? If, if we're in a company of 1,000 people, how do people work together? How does cross-team collaboration work? So, so in, in a product, you have end-to-end ownership. So, I, I, again, I think one of the big reasons you have a whole lot of this ticketing, throwing back and forth, is you've got uh, a product that spans multiple teams instead of having the product be succinct enough that a single team can own everything from end-to-end. So when you get end-to-end ownership on a product, that prevents a lot of the, like, I have to hand part of my product off to you everything I do. So that minimizes it. If you have more of a zero defect type of mentality that says, like, we consume the trash as soon as it comes in. As soon as we eat a meal and we have a wrapper, we throw it in the trash. We don't throw it in the corner and then someday later take out the trash. That starts to minimize that process. Um, I, I, I think if you do those two things, that's, that goes a long way. Now, you still are going to have to deal with other teams in a big organization. I think if you can be more API-driven in those interactions instead of like a kind of a monolithic, you know, I've got your code depends too much on my code, but we can do APIs or versioned APIs are those things that helps make it so that you don't have as much of the, like, ticket request type of behavior happening and your design is more contained to a product team and there's just some communication about like hey what what does this thing look like and we can do it the problem is most organizations don't have any of those things to start with so my question would be how do you start to get those things into organizations yeah i I think another big part of it is the prioritization thing i think that priority stuff is always so hard and everyone has such a hang-up about it but if you had some a better way to make more kind of sane um, choices when you were doing prioritization so that it wasn't just, it wasn't based on like politics or something negative like that, but it was more based on, hey, what's the, you know, shortest, quickest thing we can do to get some feedback or whatever the case is, or based on something that customer said. I think that's, a, you know, getting that stuff figured out, I know is very difficult. And I think everyone I've ever worked with that had anything to do with prioritization always had a really hard time with it. But I think that goes a long way. And then the idea of, you know, having like the concept like Derek mentioned of having smaller teams where I think right now there's lots of big organizations where no one, if I were a developer on a team that was working with something and I was dependent on another team, like I would, the idea of me approaching, maybe me and someone else on the team approaching two other people on this team and spending some time coming up with some solution together in a collaborative sense and contributing that back to the both projects, I don't think that's... You know, when you live in the like ticket-driven agile world, you don't do that because it's not a ticket. It's it's not how you do it, right? Yeah, our sprints aren't in sync. How could we do that? Yeah, exactly. You know, so like, we're re- we're really talking about following Conway's law, right? We're we're sure. we're talking about reducing unnecessary communication pathways, streamlining everything, and reducing dependencies, right? Yes. So that the the product reflects our communication. Yeah, I, I think a, a, a heavy amount of autonomy is, is in there, right? So that a team could go to another team and say, like, hey, can we pair on this? Like, even though we're not on the same team and, and do this, right? And we get too rigid in our process, right? Like, then that would prevent it. Well, I, I'd like to do that with you, but I'm in the middle of sprint. Your sprint starts a different sprint than our sprint. Not possible. We have to yeah, schedule I mean, it four weeks ahead of time. Right? And I think the other thing that you said that really resonated for me is most companies that have this problem do not are not close enough to their customers so when when you have trouble prioritizing what that means to me is you do not have a connection with your customer or you're absolutely guessing what your customer wants if you're close to your customer and are actually listening to them you probably have a much better idea of what your priority is 
Great. Well, thanks for listening to the Agile Weekly Podcast. We'll get you next time. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.